0: to the word for today featuring the bible teaching of pastor chuck smith founder of the calvary chapel movement this radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire bible and on today's edition of the word for today pastor chuck continues with god overthrowing the egyptians as we pick up in exodus chapter 14
1: verse 22 and now with today's message here's pastor chuck Verse 22, And the waters were a wall unto them, on the right hand on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea, even all of Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. And it came to pass in the morning, watch, that the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud, and he troubled the host of the Egyptians. And they took off the chariot wheels, that they drove them heavily. So that the Egyptians said, Let's flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. They began to get bogged down in the mire. And The Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea." And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all of the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, and there remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and His servant Moses. So God now is beginning to build their faith. God is beginning a work in them that is going to prepare them to come into the land of promise. God has for each of you a glorious life of victory in Jesus Christ. Many, many Blessed experiences of walking with Him. But God leads us, it seems, first through the wilderness for a purpose of training and teaching us to trust in Him. Lessons of faith that are so important if I'm going to conquer and take the land that God has promised. Because the taking of the land is actually the appropriation of faith. Every place you put your foot, God said to Joshua, I have given it you, but you've got to go in and put your foot there. You've got to claim it. God has given to us exceeding rich and precious promises. You've got to claim them by faith. You've got to move in and take that which God has promised to you as his child. But before you can do it, you need to learn about God. You need to learn to trust in God. And God is teaching us the lessons of faith and trusting in him showing us his abilities and his powers. And so we find here the purposes of God. The people feared the Lord or reverenced the Lord, and they believed in the Lord. Their faith now is growing. So Moses broke forth in song. And chapter 15 is actually the song of Moses, uh, of, of God's deliverance and victory. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song, unto the Lord. And they spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider. He is thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war, and Jehovah is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Jehovah, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Jehovah, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sendest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as an heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. It is interesting to me, uh, the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The Bible says a strong east wind. Now this is putting it in sort of a figurative sense. The blast of God's nostrils, the strong east wind. So the next time the Santana blows, just think of the blast of his nostrils. Uh, Sneezed. Uh, the enemy said, it's, it's neat figurative language, and I like it. It's, it's picturesque. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I'll divide the spoil, my desires shall be satisfied upon them. I'll draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. But you did blow with thy wind, and the sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is likened to thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. You in your mercy have led forth your people, which you have redeemed, and you have girded them in the strength unto thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold upon the inhabitants of Palestine and the dukes of Edom shall be amazed, and the mighty men of Moab trembling shall take hold upon them, and all the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. So the experiences now are preparing me for the future victories, for the future conquest. And God, through His work now, is just preparing my life for that future work that He's planning to do. Ephesians 4 tells us that ye are His workmanship, created together in Christ Jesus under the good works that God has before ordained that you should walk in them. In other words, God already has the plan for your life and he is preparing you for that plan. Right now, God is working in you. What is the purpose? That he might prepare you for those works he's already prepared for you. Now later on, we're gonna have another song of Moses when we get into Deuteronomy where they acknowledge that all the way God led them. Through their wilderness experience, God led them. He went before them and prepared the place for them to pitch their tents. And God was hovering over them as an eagle over her children. God hovered over them there in their wilderness experience. God was there. They were learning to trust in God. They were learning the providential care of God. They were learning the concern of God for his people, even as we are learning now as God prepares us for those victories that He wants us to go into in His name, for that territory that He wants us to conquer and to possess for His glory. And so this beautiful song of of deliverance and praise declaring the glory of God. The fear that will come upon their enemies. Verse 16, fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of your arm, they shall be as still as a stone till the people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over which you have purchased. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance in, in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. And so that acknowledgement of God, of his power, of his glory, of his purposes that he shall bring to pass and how that he shall reign forever and ever. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them, but the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. Now Miriam, who was the older sister of Moses and who is called a prophetess, She is also the sister of Aaron, who was the brother of Moses, took a timbrel in her hand, and all of the women went out after her with their timbrels and with their dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. Now, the Jewish people are a beautiful people. As far as Exuberance and 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 life and excitement—you get them going, and, and and it's really it's really a joy. They love to dance. They love to sing. Man, they get into it—clapping, standing up, and stomping—and and. and just the hey, you know, and the whole thing, and just they really love to get into it. You know, you, you notice their music; it's got a real beat. There's a lot of life to it, and and there's just you know they really love to get into it, and they're they're great to be around because of their exuberance, and and they really get into it, and and thus I can I can in my mind picture this whole thing. Moses breaking forth into song of God's power and God's deliverance, and. And Miriam, now his older sister, coming out with her tambourine and all the women coming out and this big dance going on and, and uh, this celebration for God has wrought great deliverance for his people. God has brought great victory. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting a little excited and showing a little emotion when you think of all that God has done. Isn't it interesting how that we go to a football game or a baseball game and we see a guy dressed like a duck (laughs) or a chicken and he goes around and he gets all the people whooping it up, you know. He's hitting a, you know, getting to, to clap and a beat and all this kind of stuff. And you see this character down there and you say, oh man, he's a real fan. But if in church... A person dares to smile. You say, man, he's a fanatic. You know, one's a fan, the other's a fanatic. Because you're showing a little emotion because of what God has wrought. Really, I I think that it's great to, to sometimes get a little emotional over God and over the things of God and over the work of God and over the victory of God. Now, I don't believe in emotionalism. And there's a vast difference between emotion and emotionalism. Emotionalism is emotion just for emotion's sake. But getting emotional over God, I think, is is neat. Getting excited over God. Getting excited over the work of God. I love it, you know, when there's that that charged atmosphere. Oh, see what God did tonight. Oh, isn't that neat, you know, and you're just really into it with the Lord. I love it. I don't think that God intended us that all of our relationship with him be very pious and very somber and and very formal. I think that God wants us to just enjoy his presence. And I think that he enjoys it when we get excited over him and over his victories. Actually, there's something exciting about victory. And the Lord has triumphed gloriously. They're singing of the victory of God. He's triumphed gloriously. Oh, when I think of the triumphs of God in my life, oh, Praise the Lord, he's triumphed gloriously. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it's neat. Now, the difference between emotions and emotionalism would be if I would go to the football game and I'm watching my team and I'm there in the stands rooting for my team and we're behind, 23 to 17. And there's 18 seconds to go. But we're clear back on our 10-yard line. And we used up all of our timeouts. (laughs) And the quarterback gets the ball. And the linemen are rushing him. Someone missed their block. He's just about tackled. But he lets go of the football, throws it down the field and down the sidelines. The tight end is racing And he reaches out his hands. And the ball falls right in his hands and he races into the end zone. Do you know what I'm going to be doing? I'm not going to just be sitting there and say, my, isn't that wonderful? My. (laughs)
0: Listen,
1: I'm going to be whistling. I'm going to be jumping up and down. I'm going to be waving my hands. I'm going to be screaming and yelling. I'm a fan. And then when the extra point right through the middle of the uprights. Again, the screaming, the whistling, the shouting, the excitement. That's emotion. We won. People don't say, what's the matter with that weirdo? (laughs) Look how emotional he is. Now, the difference between that and emotionalism is that if I would go out the next day when there are no teams on the field, And alone in the stands. (laughs) I go through the same actions that I went through the night before. Jumping up and down, whistling, throwing my hands in the air, yelling and screaming. That's emotionalism. That I'm not interested in. But I'll tell you, it doesn't hurt to get excited over God and over the works of God and over the victories that God has wrought within our lives. I don't know, but what, that isn't why God doesn't love those people so much because they show a little bit of emotion. When God works, they're capable of showing it. And I do think that God sort of appreciates our getting excited over Him and over His works. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went for three days into the wilderness and they found no water. So they're in trouble. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah for they were bitter. Therefore they called it Mara, which means bitter. Remember, uh, Naomi said, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant, pleasantness. Call me Marah. Because God has dealt bitterly with me. So the waters of Mara, they, named, they came to this water finally after three days. They went to drink it and it was bitter. They couldn't drink it. So they said, Oh, Mara, bitter. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Oh, Moses, you've got your hands full. Now here they are dancing. The timbrels are out. They're singing of God's victory. He's just wiped out the Egyptians. How quickly we forget the power of God. We're going to die of thirst. Give us water to drink. And so he cried unto the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. So they're learning. They're learning about God. They're getting acquainted with God. God can take the bitter Experiences of your life and bring sweetness out of them. Those areas that are so bitter for us, we, we've tasted of them and we found such bitterness, and yet God can turn them around and bring sweetness out of them. And of course, the difference was the tree cast into the water, and that tree, in our case, being the cross of Jesus Christ, which so transforms everything in our lives and makes the bitter become sweet. And the Lord said, if, so it's conditional, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am Jehovah that healeth thee. So they're coming now into an even deeper relationship with God, a covenant relation. God said, all right, now, if you will keep my statutes, my laws, my commandments, then I will keep you. I'll not put upon you any of the diseases or afflictions that came upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Jehovah Rapha, our healer the Lord that healeth thee. There's a very interesting book called None of These Diseases, written by a medical doctor, in which he goes into the law that God gave to Moses and into especially the dietary aspects of the law and into the washing ordinances within the law and actually shows that if a person would keep the law of Moses, that it was a sanitary code among other things, and that by the keeping of the law, following the laws of sanitation and diet and so forth, that a person would live a much healthier life, that there are the rules of health in the law of God. None of these diseases, I think it was Dr. Maxwell, is it? that wrote the book, and, and is a medical doctor, but he's taken the law and shown the value of the law as a sanitary code, as a health code, and so forth. And so the promise being, if you keep the law and so forth, then I will keep you. I, I'm the Lord that heals you. But the healing is so often uh, through preventative measures of, of proper diet, proper sanitation, and so forth. So as we get into the law of Moses, we're going to find that much of it, it deals with just health and healthy practices. And uh, God wants you to be healthy. And he's given you the rules. And he says, you know, keep these and you'll be healthy. None of these diseases that came upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. And so they came to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water, and there were 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. And so now God bringing them into that place of refreshment, refreshing themselves in Him, learning the ways of God, learning about God, being prepared for the experiences that God has ahead for them as He brings them into the fullness of His blessing and promises.
0: We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Exodus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Exodus 14 through 15 when visiting the thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck.
1: May the Lord bless and keep you in the love of Jesus Christ. And may the Lord work in your life this week in a special way, bringing forth victory out of seeming defeat, revealing that way when there seems to be no way. And may you experience God's hand upon your life as He trains, as He teaches As he develops his work of love and grace within your life As he prepares you For the future And for those things that he wants you to possess Of his grace and of his glory May the Lord strengthen you And cause your life to be a witness for him In Jesus' name
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The 1960s became one of the most colorful periods in American history. The counterculture was dropping out and turning on. The Summer of Love was the stage for many dramas of change. And the most popular musical group in the world was singing, All You Need Is Love. But one man in Southern California was reaching out with the answer and the truth began to set people free. Author and Pastor Chuck Smith began to share the love of Jesus Christ with a generation that was looking for love in all the wrong places. Now, some 40 years later, the gospel of love is still changing lives. In his book simply titled, Love, The More Excellent Way, Pastor Chuck Smith expounds upon the love that can change your life now and forever. For more information on how to obtain your copy, visit
1: a bookstore nearest you or call 1-800-272-WORD, or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org. That's thewordfortoday.org.